I want to read, before I pray, from Micah chapter 6, and just three verses ties very much uh, with what I'm speaking about this morning. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousand uh, river, rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Obviously, it expects a no answer. <laughs> he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. Profound passage, isn't it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to a time of reflecting upon your word and listening for what you have to speak into our hearts this morning. And Lord, I pray that in your grace and in your mercy toward us, you will touch each one of us in a place where we need that touch today. That we might walk out of this place in some beautiful way, encouraged, lifted, challenged, whatever is the need that you know is real for us individually today. Meet us, Lord, we pray. Lord, speak to me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've entitled this morning's message, Giving and Receiving Mercy. Now, over the last couple of weeks, Chrissy and then Graham have explored the whole idea of mercy in this series we're having in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they should receive mercy. Now, I'm not going to try and redo what they've done, <coughs> crazy boy or silly. I want us to turn over the place where the mercy hits the road, or where the rubber hits the road in this case. And a little later, I'm going to having a time of sharing, and I want you to think about when someone's act of mercy to you changed your day, changed your perspective, changed something significant for you, all right? We may get to talk a little bit about when we were able to give mercy, but I want you to think particularly about receiving mercy. And so we want to translate the biblical truth into the practical realities of each day. Now, as we've said earlier, the, the Beatitudes are the Constitution, the manifesto, of those who call themselves servants of Jesus, members of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is getting this group of guys around him and he's instructing them what it means to be my follower. And we heard Graham say to us last week that the, or was it Chrissy? Can't remember. The first four of the Beatitudes deal very much with our own hearts. 
but to the poor in spirit, etc. But when we come to this particular beatitude, number five, the focus changes from the this to the that. And it's now me living out a word that has become, uh, or a phrase that has become uh, very real for us as a church over recent years has been the idea of the aroma of Christ. How do I carry the aroma of Christ into a world that has no thought or time for God? It's powerful, isn't it? Very well worth thinking about. Now, mercy by its very nature, as we've discovered, is focused on others. It is something from the heart of God to us and reaches out to others. I love that particular passage and thinking about this message, that passage in Micah, it just kept coming back and back and back and when I know that's happening, I know that's where God wants me to, to begin my ministry. So, what shall I come before the Lord? Shall I bring all of these other things? And the answer is a very firm, no. That stuff means nothing if I haven't got this bit right. But the evidence that I've got this bit in here right is wrapped up in the way I live it out there. To act justly. Now, justice, righteousness, all those Big word simply meaning I will do what is right every time, no matter what the cost. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Particularly in our world today, where so many people will do what is expedient. No, as children of the kingdom, as part of those. Part of our carrying and living the, manifest, the manifesto of the kingdom, I am committed to doing what is right even when it hurts. That's a bit relevant at tax time, isn't it? Yeah? Saying to the tax agent, no, that's not how it is. This is how it is. It's a challenge when the world doesn't think the same way. To love mercy, being constantly considerate of others. Mm. And then taking that consideration to the next step that reaches out to others in compassion. That's having a very real impact in my life at the moment. You, you all know of my involvement in beekeeping and unless you've been living in a cocoon you are well aware of this little varroa mite that is laying destruction everywhere. It's suitably known as varroa destructor. And many of the members of the club that I lead are literally losing every bee they have. Now I can't personally support all of them. But those of whom I am aware, to be able to ring them up and say, hey buddy, how's it going? 
how, how are you coping with this? I've had some of our team have been up uh, based in Maitland at the, where the, the teams are being sent out and they're every day out in the field destroying hive after hive after hive of bees. And these are beekeepers. These are people who passionately love their bees and now they're out there destroying them by the millions. About 50,000 bees in the average hive, okay? Yeah. But just being able to ring them up and say, are you okay? And to get the sense of gratitude that someone cares enough to ask them that question. But we live with that heart because, what's the third verse? Walking humbly with your God. Why is it so important to walk humbly with our God? Because we are so desperately conscious of His mercy towards us. I am who I am because of the love and the grace and the mercy of God to me. I express mercy to others, however simply that might be, because firstly, I am one who has received mercy. Okay, you with me? That's why I love that verse. It, it, it just, in my mind, brings it all so beautifully together. And that song that uh, I've mentioned before, the old, the old Andre Kraft song, Where would I be if Jesus had a lovely? Where would I be if he hadn't cared? Where would I be if Jesus hadn't sacrificed his life? Oh, but I'm glad. So glad he did. I'm not going to try and sing it. That wouldn't be fair to Andre Crouch. But how does this work out practically? I love that quote that Graham shared with us last week from Steve Stewart's book, The Beatitudes for a Time of Crisis. Have we got those up there? Please, Noah. There we are. If we truly desire to discover both the richness and the freedom of becoming merciful, then we must be willing to go on a transformational journey. It will require of us great, sometimes painful honesty. We will need to embrace the discomfort of self-discovery. There is no way around this. As mercy runs deeper inside us, we will carry the sorrow and suffering of those around us. As the church fathers and the witness of the church reminds us, mercy is not always a nice feeling. It is a committed action. It is feeding the hungry, caring for the weak, standing with the oppressed, choosing to extend mercy when there are times we feel nothing but judgment. Ooh, that one hit me hard. That's a sort of a slap in the face statement, that one, isn't it? But it's true. Mercy will demand of us great patience within, with ourselves and with others. Great trust that in spite of our ups and downs, our stumbling and our failures, Jesus' spirit really is in his own way and time, transforming us into his likeness. I think, I think that's a very profound few paragraphs. Just worth 
thinking about. So again, let's ask the question. Practically, what does mercy look like? Now immediately we think of this, we, we can so easily think of someone like Ian Johnson, who's gone over to the street people of Phnom uh, Penh, that's it, and is building and giving her life to lift some of these impoverished people out of the, the gutters, out of anywhere, give them a way of finding a living, and, and hey, what a heart of mercy means, God. And we honour and we commend Lee for that mercy. And we know many others. We, we know the likes of Mother Teresa. We've heard her story. My Aunt Margaret, who died a couple of years ago in India, who had given her life to raising orphan children. Yeah. But mercy is not limited to a few. Mercy is part of our lifestyle. So, okay, let, let's think of a few things that are part of our life as a church. When someone is grieving or is sick or is coming home from hospital, what do we do as a church? The Pandora goes around and says, can you please send a meal? Hey, I'm sure Barbara on occasion, she's had that come to her place and said, boy, what a mercy. Any one of us would. Interceding for the needs of others. Now, that's a little bit more easy because we can sit comfortably at our own home and, and pray for them, but it becomes a bit more in your face when we say to someone, can I pray for you now? Do you know what I'm finding? The only one who has ever rejected that request was a Christian lady. As I'm encountering more non-Christians at this time of my life than perhaps I have in the last 50 years, I am finding even people who call themselves atheists willing to receive the mercy of prayer. That's awesome. I can remember one day we were in Romania and uh, we'd taken our students from the mission school down into the streets of a nearby city. And we were going through the gypsy area. And let me tell you, in the gypsy areas, um, life ain't pretty. And we came upon this old man pushing his push bike. And I can't remember the, the, the conversation, but as we talked with him, we asked, what were the things that were most important to him? And he talked about the health and the welfare of his grandchildren. We said to him, can we pray for you right now, for you and your grandchildren? He said, but I'm a Muslim. Yeah. We'd still have to pray for you. Oh. All right. And we stood there in the street with, while he held his his push bike and we laid hands on him and prayed for him in the name of Jesus. And he looked up when we finished and he said, thank you. No one's ever done anything for me like that before. That wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. And even now, some of my beekeeping colleagues, someone said to me, I think Gordon last week, 
said to me, who knows but that you were bought for the kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, and, and it's amazing. If you read my article in the last newsletter that went out yesterday, um, sort of feels a, bit, a little bit more like a pastoral letter than it was the President's report, but anyway. But reaching out to someone that they're, they're sitting, sometimes the greatest gift of mercy we can offer someone is to sit with them and say nothing. Sometimes it's the ministry of presence. How about forgiving someone who has wronged you? That's a pretty big act of mercy, isn't it? I will no longer hold against this person what they have done to me. Sometimes that's really, really tough. So it's thinking beyond ourselves, how can I impart something of the manifesto of the kingdom of God? In a moment I'm going to ask for your stories, but let me tell you one that's very real for Glenda and I. It happened a number of years ago, we were in Queensland, when we were back from our field journeys, we would travel around churches and minister. We'd been in one particular church. I think if I remember correctly, I'd preached two morning services and then the evening service. There had been no hospitality at all. During, after the evening service, we packed up. Most people had gone by the time we were loaded up. We were hungry, we were tired. And we went down to the, the local township just down the road and at 8.30 on Sunday night, there weren't <coughs> nothing much open. Except Hog's Breath Cafe. <laughs> Why they call it that, I've got no idea. But anyway, we were there. And we walked in and the young waitress said to us, well, it's a bit late, we're not far from closing, there's not much left in the kitchen. Great. <laughs> and she pointed to the things that were left, all the most expensive on the menu. And I remember saying to her, look, give us a minute or two, we'll be as quick as we can. And we sort of decided what we were going to eat, and uh, signal and she came back. She said, oh, by the way, I need to tell you that your meal has been completely paid for in order anything you like on the menu. Who? Oh, she said, there are some people over there that have gone now. That's happened to us a number of times in our lives. You know, it takes you from feeling flat down there to, wow, encouraged, uplifted. I remember just the other side of that story. One Sunday, it had been another Sunday ministering in a church down that way somewhere, quite a way away, and uh, it had been a particularly tough Sunday morning. And we'd driven away from this particular church well and truly discouraged and wondering if our visit had made any difference at all. And spent that afternoon sort of commiserating with each other. The next morning, we were in one of the little townships down in the Southern Highlands, sitting in a coffee shop, just having a cup of coffee and a bit of carrot cake or something suitably naughty. And another couple walked in and sat down beside us. And being the only ones there, we started to natter a little bit, discovered that they were another ministry couple who were also feeling a little flat after a tough day the day before. So we'd finished our coffee and cake and then <coughs> said, look, we'll leave you in peace, bye for now. And as I got to the counter, the Lord said to me, 
pay for their morning tea. He might as well have said, extend mercy. And the lady looked at me when I said, That simple act of mercy lifted our spirits from down in the pits to ride up and we walked out of that place. Now I've never seen that couple again. I don't know who they were. I've never tried to follow them up. I guess one day we'll meet them up with it in glory and we might talk about that event. But that doesn't matter. Forgiving and receiving mercy. Okay. Here's the chance where I want some of you to perhaps. When have you received an act of mercy by someone else that has significantly changed where you were at, where you were feeling, what was happening in your world? Is there anyone who might come and share with us your story? We've got time. Never been a recipient of an act of mercy. Come on, I don't believe that for a moment. Hmm? <coughs> Lynn. When I was in the hospital for four months, um, a lot of you know Craig and Eddie Stevens. Um, at the very beginning, Craig was, like, as soon as I got home, he was the hospital, hospital day after day. But they, as a family, from Lake Mungora, committed to come down every week on a Wednesday night to Woi Woi, I mean, our suburb of Melbourne, and to bring the family, to bring dinner, and to come and share time with me. Wow. Whoa. Can you imagine how that minister to leave, can't you? Yeah, okay. Someone else. And it doesn't have to be as wonderful a story as that. Yes, Tony, come on out here, Tony. If you sit back there, the people who are listening in won't get the benefit of what God did in your life. It's uh, very, very simple. Uh, I've had a white hat quite a number of years that uh, uh, was getting degraded. And uh, somebody knew about that, gave me a new hat. And also, they gave me a colourful hat in case I lose my way in my old years. And I'll be How have you received an act of mercy that has significantly impacted your life? Yes, come on here. You know what they're coming out here. You'll have to speak. I don't think this will reach you down. No, no it won't it's, reach. it's okay. I just wanted to say, John and Barbara, when my dad died, yeah. not only gave us food, but they came and shared with us. Mm. And shared out. We were able to talk about stuff. So that was. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, lots of times recently, when I haven't had the best of health, I've been the receiver of uh, mercy. I mean, meals and things like that, but also phone calls. You know, I remember many days um, being quite 
down. And just a phone call and a little chat just lifts your mood. It's when it shows too how much we need each other. And um, something else I also want to share too. The other night the Lord woke me up and sort of shook me in a way and said, come on, wake up, pull yourself out of this. And he said to me to focus on, on the uh, burden bearer, not the burden. And the things you're talking about um, today, um, when we focus on others, when we show mercy and care for others, it does lift our burden. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing, and I've been a recipient of, of, of that, and um, I appreciate it. Thank all of you. There's so many that have um, run and been kind and uh, encouraging. It's really great. Let me tell you, this late little lady knows how to give it as well as we The number of times I preach here, and I get home and my phone goes ding ding, and there's a lovely word from Barbara saying, that touched my heart. Barb, you've got no idea what that kind of stuff means to a preacher. It's a real blessing. Yeah? Anyone else who'd like to share something? Yes, Anne Marie. Um, you have to speak up loud. I can't get to you. I think I can speak up loud. Yeah. Um, when my car got written off just before Christmas, uh, somebody rear-ended me and wrote off my car, which totally, totally devastated me because it was three or four days, I think, before Christmas Day. And the insurance company said, oh, we've got to look into this because the person had a medical episode. Well, all I can say is thank you to Tony. They, the church lent me a ute. My goodness. A really classy car. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it was a real good blessing because I had the grandchildren with me and we had to mulch the front yard. So a ute was absolutely ideal. <laughs> the grandkids filled up the back of that ute and I've got a mulched front yard. So, yeah, used to being independent, it was just a real, real blessing. Now, I'm giving the message that mercy doesn't have to be some hugely complicated thing. A simple phone call. And that's what I've been doing this week with my beekeeping buddies. The Lord will bring someone to mind and I'll ring them up and say, are you okay? And as the phone call comes to an end, I say, Gavin, thank you so much for calling. And it's not just, thanks for the call, mate, it's, Thank you so much for calling. To know someone cares. Mm. Anyone else would like to? Right. Yes. Um, well, this just happened on Friday. I was meeting some friends and um, and I had some oranges and I thought, oh, I think this is my oranges because they're not sprayed. And I thought, oh, that's great. And um, so so I gave them on the Friday. And just well, I don't think it was. Yeah, just take take the ball because I can I can buy some from the grower up the ball. But when I got got there, they finished picking and there were no more oranges. Uh -huh. And I was to be disappointed. But and then when I came here this morning, there are different lemons. Okay, thanks, Anne Marie. Anne Marie, sorry. As we give. 
expressed to others. Now, I do just want to put a couple of little parameters around this. Because I think it's important to say none of us are capable of being merciful in every single situation. Am I right? Yes. Because at times it can become overwhelming and we can become overwhelmed by what is around us. As you can imagine, in some of the places Glenda and I have been, I, I have this memory burn in my mind of a little beggar who sits on a street in Pune. I've seen him several times. This is in India. This guy was probably mashed up by his parents when he was a baby. He sat, sits in the street on a little wooden platform because he can't walk. And he looks up at you and, and calls out, tears your heart out. But I know, in all probability, he's probably quite a wealthy guy because he's been there for years and uh, got all sorts of stuff and it, it's all just there. He's the money there for the family. Or if you gave way in Africa, everyone you meet in Africa has needs. And nodding her head somewhat vigorously because she knows. And you can't possibly they all need school fees for their kids. They all need medical stuff. They all need, and you just simply can't do it all. And the other problem is that we can become vulnerably preyed upon. And so there has to be within us that ability to listen to the heart of God and say, Lord, do I do something here? Sometimes you get the yes, and sometimes you get the no. And you have to be okay. You have to know your grace points. You need to be aware of compassion fatigue. Because if we try and respond to every need in every situation, we will become overwhelmed because it is overwhelming. Yeah. Hey. Dr. Hannah, I'm sure you know about that one. <laughs> You're dealing with need every day of your life. And so understanding where it is and how it is, one of the things Glenda and I have learned is to make, and we've done this ever since we were a young married couple, to make some provision in our own finances so that when God says do something here, we've got a resource with we found that very helpful. Just have an account there, a column in your spreadsheet, however you do it. An extra jar tucked up behind the fridge, however. <laughs> to simply have the ability to respond. You can't carry every need. Wouldn't all of us love to be able to say to Ross on it, and hey, we're, we're behind you, here we are. We all can't. And they don't expect us all to. For God knows how he's going to provide for them. And so you don't respond out of, I must do this, but out of the call of God that says, I want you to do this. I used to say to people when we depend on support, I do not want one dollar in our bank account from you. The God wants you to give somewhere else. So 
So just being aware of those things and realizing that a smile or a word of encouragement or appreciation is an act of mercy. Being willing to pray for someone right then and there. Being able to give a gift or a gesture of kindness. Being conscious that as I have received, so I give. I want to go back to that second slide. Um, the bit that begins with the church fathers, please. And I'll offer Steve. Uh, part way down, it says, down the bottom. The church fathers and the witness of the church reminds us mercy is not a nice feeling. It is committed action. Alright? I think that's a very... Okay. It is feeding the hungry, caring for the weak, standing with the oppressed, choosing to extend mercy when we are feeling nothing but judgment. Mmm. That's a bit of an eyeball, isn't it? I mean, right between the eyeballs will demand us great patience with ourselves, with others. Great trust that in spite of our ups and downs, our stumbling and our failures, Jesus' spirit really is in his own way and time transforming us into his eyes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the amazing mercy that you have stretched out to us when you stretched out your arms on that cross. We thank you for the love that grew salvation today. We thank you that we are recipients of mercy. Now, Lord, I pray that in your own gentle way you will show us how to extend mercy to the people we meet this week, no matter where they are, or how they are. I pray, Lord, for your grace, your mercy to flow through us. In your name.